Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you. I hope that, as Leslie just mentioned, I hope you're doing the Bible reading plan. I hope it's been good for you. It's been really uh, good for me and our house. We've been reading it, been reading with the kids, which is fun. If you have kids, it's a really great way to uh, read the Bible together. I've been having some good discussions when we got to Matthew 5, and we're talking about sexual immorality and, you know, cutting your arms off and gouging your eyes out. It was really great stuff to talk with my <laughs> kids about, but hey, it's in the Bible, you know, just reading the Bible, you know what I'm saying? So uh, anyway, well, uh, I have... Uh, called this message, titled it, Digging Deeper Than, than You Ever Have. Uh, and I, sound, I know that sounds a little cliche, but I, I, want, I want to talk about what I believe God is um, calling us to dig into, um, and not just the season, which I think is an overused word, season, right? Um, but it's, yeah, definitely for this time, but I believe there's some things with our church specifically that he's probably always said that we should be digging into. And there's some things that we need to be digging into very deeply right now. And so uh, I believe God has some things that he's going to be unfolding in our church that, you know, even if he told us, we wouldn't believe it kind of thing. And I'm excited about those things. Um, and, and I believe it's time to, to press in, dig deeper, all that kind of stuff. But several years ago, uh, I was at a, a ministry event. And I, I told this story a couple years ago, but it's, it's, it's so such a good story. But then secondly, it's so perfect for where we're going today. I thought I'd tell it again. Uh, so if you remember it, um, it's just a good one to get to hear again. But was that a ministry event with Lead 222, which is an organization I've worked with for a long time, and we were in Cabo San Lucas. You know, ministry gig is hard sometimes, is all I'm saying. You know what I mean? And we were in Cabo San Lucas, and we were, uh, um, we were staying at this hotel on the beach, and this hotel was owned by a billionaire. His name is Jerry Nelson. And Jerry didn't just have a hotel, but he had this whole compound on the beach in Cabo, and it was just unbelievable. It was one of the nicest things I've ever seen in my life whenever you go, uh, especially into where he lived and, and his stay and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, this guy Jerry uh, was a friend of one of my friends. A, a friend of mine had made friends with this guy, and he hung out with him, which I was like, that's a smart move on your part. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, and every once in a while, he would host these, these events at his, at his compound in Cabo, like the one we were at. And I'd been there four or five times, but I finally had the chance, Christy and I both did, to actually um, meet, if you will, Jerry, not necessarily meet him so much, but hear him speak to us about his story and how he made all of his money, which is always an interesting thing to hear a billionaire uh, tell their story. And this guy has done all sorts of things you've heard of. Like, for example, he owns Ticketmaster. Um, but that's not how he made his money. Uh, he, he's had crazy companies, like he owned a satellite company, he had one customer, and that customer was the CIA. Um, this, is, this, guy, this, guy, <laughs> this guy makes money that you're like, how, does he, I mean, how is he doing this? He's, he's the first, he had the first communication like landlines between Mexico and the United States. Like This guy has made money over the years, but that's not how he made his money. And So anyway, where he made his money was several years ago in the development of a little town in Arizona called Scottsdale. Most of you have heard of Scottsdale, Arizona. He was on the front edge of that. This guy's about 90-something years old now. He's getting up there in age, but several years ago before Scottsdale was, uh, was, a, was, a, was a thing, it was obviously desert. And 
he, he had the belief, along with a few other people, that there was water underneath the ground in this desert. Now, a lot of people disagreed. There was no water anywhere. They had been digging and looking for years and years, and nobody had found anything. But he had a scientist, a geologist that was with him saying, yeah, it's very deep, but there's water. It's very deep. And so they started digging. He bought some land up. He had a little bit of money. He bought some land up, and he started digging a well, and he was trying to find, of course, water. And the scientist he had said that it was going to be about 1,200 feet deep, and when they got 1,200 feet deep, they would hit water. Now, 1,200-foot hole is a hard hole to dig, and part of the way you do that is you pour water in that hole to loosen the ground up so you can keep digging. And so they have these water trucks coming, pouring water in the hole. They keep digging. Well, they get to 1,200 feet, and there's no water. The scientist is disappointed. Jerry's disappointed. What are we going to do? Spend all this money, big investment. The scientist comes back to him and says, you know what? I may have done some wrong calculations. It's actually not 1,200 feet, but I think it's another 200 feet. If we go 1,400 feet, we're going to hit water. And so he goes, okay, well, we're going to do it. So they dig another 200 feet, and guess what? They hit water, just whoosh, gushes up, lots of water. And so then, this is the brilliant part. This is how he made his money. One of his, it wasn't actually him, but his foreman of this job says, hey, Jerry, don't quit drink, bringing the water truck. Because Jerry's about to stop the water truck, set up the well. Yay, we found water. He's like, don't, don't stop bringing the water trucks. Let everybody think that you're still crazy and you're looking for water. And as you think, as they think you're still looking for water, go buy up all the land you can for pennies on the dollar. And once you buy up all the land, then stop the water trucks. So he does that. He goes out and buys all the land he can, spends every ounce of money he's got, then stops the water trucks, sets up a well, and now the guy became the, the first supplier of water to Scottsdale, Arizona. He owns 170 golf courses, and the guy doesn't even play golf. So the guy, the guy, the guy sets it. I mean, it's just an amazing story, right? And, and I think... What, what you're, you're probably already jumping to, I think this idea, part of the story that I love is when the guy says, I know we've already went 1,200 feet, but we've got to go 200 feet more. And if we go 200 feet more, we're going to hit water. And, and this, this, this makes me think of so many things. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that just that thought alone has been true in my life and in my church, and, and, and probably you as well. And which, if we just keep digging a little more, we've already dug, we've, we're like exhausted, we've dug, and if we just keep digging a little more, keep pressing for more, breakthrough will happen. Breakthrough's coming. Living water's about to gush up. It's like a wellspring of life. You know, John Ford, Jesus standing next to a well, a literal well. You remember the story? And he says this to a woman at that well. He says, everyone who drinks this water, the one in the well, this is in John 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 13, they'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them, they'll never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them like a spring of water welling up into eternal life. I believe that there are things in our life that require the kind of work where you're going to dig 1,200 feet, and then you're going to feel the Lord say, it's another 200 feet more. We'll call these things the work that God has called us to. And I'll just say this, the work that he's called us to dig deeply into right now in this season, there's a, there's a few things. I'm going to put them on the screen. 
that I believe are the things that he's calling us to dig into, digging deeper than you ever have, if you will. And I believe the first one is this. It's the work of prayer. And I believe he's called us to dig deeply into the work of prayer. And you guys have known we've been talking about that for a while. I believe the, other, the second thing he does is he wants, us, he wants us to dig deeply into the work of the Spirit. That this is something that we must submit to and, work, and allow to work deeply in our life. That the work of the Spirit would be something that we're engaged in. And, our, and, and then this one, right? I believe in the work of the church. That there, there is a work that he has called the body of believers to do, those who confess Jesus as Lord. There's a work that he wants us to dig deeply into that no one else can do in the world except the church. And then I believe there's also the work of joy, which we sang about this morning, right? I believe that joy actually is, 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 is critical in this process, that actually we can approach work and it doesn't feel like work. You know what I'm saying? That it's actually that this is the day that the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it can actually be our reality, that the work of joy can, can be resting in our hearts and in our lives so deeply that the things that God calls us to are our joy. And then finally, the fifth one that I would say is the work of prayer. <laughs> Everything begins and ends with prayer, amen? And so we start with the work of prayer, we end with the work of prayer, and here's the thing. It's not popular in today's world, especially in our American culture, to say the word work when it comes to our faith. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody wants to act like faith should not be work, that faith should be easy, that faith shouldn't be something that you have to go put effort into, that everything is organic. You know what I mean? It's just natural. Everything should just happen. There's this reality. Have you ever heard, have you heard about this? Everybody's so afraid to say, you know what, roll up your sleeves, sweat a little bit for Jesus. Everybody's afraid to say that it's going to take effort to actually go and do the things that God calls us to do. Everybody thinks that, no, 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 Jesus does all the work. Jesus does all He does. Jesus did so much work for us that he's saying, can you do a little for me too? Here's the thing. Work, work, the work of prayer, the work of the spirit, the work of the church, the work of joy in your life. It is the most meaningful work you will ever do. And I believe we're diligently needing to dig deeply into these four things and submit to the work that Jesus wants to do in our life. There are other things that we could talk about, but these are the four that I felt like the Lord put on my heart. And surprise, surprise, I feel like the Holy Spirit has convicted my heart with confidence that everything begins and ends with prayer. Absolutely everything begins and ends with prayer. So today, I want to talk about the work of prayer. And if you're like, whoa, 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 Tim, 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 we've been talking about prayer a lot. I mean, are you, did you forget that we just had a message about prayer? I know. I know we did. Um, but it's like we've went 1,200 feet. Are you with me? It's like we've went 1,200 feet. And I don't even know if we're 1,200. I'm being nice. So, remember prayer was one of the things, one of the things, it was the only thing that the disciples, at least in the scriptures that we have, I mean, they probably said things to him that weren't recorded, but there was the only thing in the scriptures recorded that they said, Jesus, teach us how to do this. They said, teach us how to pray. Like, this is what they said to him. It was in, it was in Luke 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So this is the thing that they asked him how to do. They didn't ask him, you know, how to preach. They didn't ask him how to teach a class. They didn't say, give us some leadership strategy about how to build a church. They didn't say, hey, you know, you know, what color carpet should we get? They didn't ask any of those things 
about ministry leadership. They asked about prayer. How do we do this? How do we pray, Lord? And this is critical. This is at the center of the ministry of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want this to be the center of the ministry of this church. This is, this is what Jesus was doing. Often, you see the rhythm of prayer over and over in his ministry. And I'll admit, I've had times when prayer was not a healthy practice in my life. Anybody with me? Even in the last five or six years, as I've been the pastor of this church, there are seasons when I haven't been as committed to prayer as I need to be. Times in which it's been dry. Times in which I haven't prayed except maybe routine prayers. And you know what? In those times where my seasons of where prayer has been lacking, you know what? You know what else is lacking? Power. You know what else is lacking? Joy. You know what else is lacking? Any sort of energy. And what I do is I find myself relying on work instead of the work of prayer. Anybody done that? Anybody said, said, I can put my whole faith in Jesus or maybe even my whole life in the basket of work if I just work harder? Well, I'll get done what I need to get done. I'll get where I need to get. But the work of prayer, that's a different thing. But the times that I've had in my life, and I'm in one right now, thankfully, that where I have longed for prayer, where I have wanted more prayer, where I have believed in the power of prayer and what prayer can actually do, that I actually can't do anything without prayer, that it's through prayer that I connect with my Heavenly Father in a way to not only see Him do things, but to connect with Him in a way that brings intimacy in the presence of the Lord with me. And in His presence, there is the fullness of joy, by the way. That's Psalm 1611. So, Christy and I can testify to the work of prayer, but you know, before, because every time you dig deeply into prayer, by the way, you, whenever you dig deep enough it's at, and you do finally hit water, it's like you set up a spiritual well. And I've talked about that before, and I love this picture where you actually have a well that you can draw from. Christy and I can testify to the work of prayer before we started this church. Many of you have heard us talk about this before, but we didn't know. We were kind of lost in life, even though we knew what we were doing. We were doing something. We loved ministry, but we did not know what God wanted us to do with the rest of our life. And so we're like, Lord, whatever it is. And we didn't know what else to do other than pray. And so we started praying, and then we felt like we really need to pray. We need to dig into prayer. And we decided we were, we were going to pray. And it was a season of about 18 months where we said we're going to turn the TV off. We're going to pray every night together. We gave ourselves one day off a week, and it was Saturdays. <laughs> we turned the TV on on Saturdays. But the rest of the week, we put the kids to bed, and we would have an hour to an hour and a half of prayer every night. We would read the word together, we'd talk about it, we'd dream about it, and we were digging so deep that when we finally hit water, so many things happened. It was like a wellspring of life gushed up in us, not only because the Spirit was released in us in some new ways and we were filled with the Spirit, but there was also some other things that happened in that season in which God spoke to us and said, hey, I think you're supposed to plant a church. And we were like, no, 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 God, that can't be it. You must be talking about something else. And he's like, no, that's you. And so here we are. We have a church today. But it became not just because of what God did in us, but that's part of the story. Part of the story is it was birthed in prayer. And we see that there's a well that was set up at that time that we continually draw water from, not only for ourselves to drink from, but we actually get to share that water with others. It's a really beautiful thing. Because once you do the work, it's not like it just goes away. There's a well there that you go back to and you go, oh, God taught me so much there. So anyway, back to Luke 11. Disciples asked Jesus how to pray. 
Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples, so forth, so on. And then this is what Jesus said to them, starting in verse 2. He said to him, when you pray, say, now this is the Lord's Prayer, but this is Luke's version, which is a little bit abbreviated. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into, into temptation. So he gives them that prayer, which has a lot into it. We actually talked, we did this message called Praying Breakthrough back in August that we talked about that particular prayer and how it can bring breakthrough. However, if we keep going, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I have no food to offer them. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. <clears throat> I tell you, though, he will not get up and give you the bread because of our friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you, as you need. Excuse me. You know you're comfortable in your own skin when you can just stop for a minute, right? I guess. Thank you. <clears throat> because of your shameless audacity, he will give you what you ask for. I love this passage for so many reasons. Um, but we, if, we just, if we just took it to this level of prayer, what is he saying? I believe we're in a season where we've got to pray like we've never prayed before. We must dig deeper than we've ever dug before. We want, to, we want to see a mighty work of God happen in our lives and in our church and in our city. I mean, I hope that all of us agree about that. I hope that all of us are like, yeah, we'd love to see a mighty work of God happen in our lives and our church and our city. Pete Gregg, founder of 24-7 Prayer, he wrote this. He says, there isn't a single example of, trans of a transformational Christian renewal that did not begin with prayer. I think, I think that all of us, this should be our hope and prayer, is that we would see a transformational Christian renewal. I'm blown away, and I, but I also believe it very easily, that there's not one single great move of God that has ever happened that didn't begin in prayer. And it begins in prayer. They just, don't, they just don't happen. There's someone somewhere praying. The renewal of our churches and the revival in our land, by the way, renewal of God's people, which we'll talk more about that someday, but the renewal of God's people is a precursor to the revival that God wants to bring in a larger context to people, to all sorts of people coming to know Jesus. So if we want to see a revival in our city where all sorts of people are coming to know Jesus, a renewal of God's people happens first. The Great, the great Awakening of the 1700s here in America, one of the great revivals in history. Jonathan Edwards, who was one of the key leaders of that, he called American Christians to a seven-year season of prayer. Can you imagine? We're going to pray for seven years. We're so instant gratification. We want to pray and we want to see God move the next day. During the early 1900s, there were amazing revivals where God's power was, and presence was so thick that people were constantly gathering together in prayer. They couldn't get enough of it. The work, the work of what the Lord was doing was so significant and powerful that businesses and factories were closing down early so people could get together every night and have worship and pray together. The, the, the Welsh revival and the Azusa Street revival, which happened in, in Los Angeles, they had all-night 
prayer gatherings and 24-7 prayer rooms. And in fact, our prayer room here has inspiration and momentum and, if you will, uh, a direct line of movement from the prayer rooms that gathered in over 100 years ago. Um, the reason we have one today is there's a direct line from those things. God works in prayer, and he builds his church through prayer, and actually the winds of revival blow through prayer. And he builds, and he rebuilds lives through prayer. Some of you need God to build the next chapter of your life on prayer. And some of you need to, maybe hear the word, I need to rebuild my life on prayer. That's just where you're at. There are moments and times whenever you look around and you go, there's only one way forward, and it's prayer. I've tried every other kind of work. I've tried every other kind of thing, but there's only one way forward. I know that the work that this church was birthed in prayer, and I believe it's been built on prayer. Prayer is the access point, if you will, for God to do what only he can do. It's where it begins. I asked a couple friends to actually share their own testimonies of, of how God worked in prayer, and I asked if they would mind writing it out and sending it to me so I could share with you today. And So I have a couple guys that have shared a story with me about how God has worked in life through prayer. A friend of mine, Matt Ross, he shared this with me. We were a month away from welcoming our second child, and we started having issues with our car. Sound familiar? Anybody else? Yeah. One concern was the rear passenger door wouldn't even open. And we were beginning to wonder if we could safely fit both kids in the back seat. We started discussing whether we could afford getting a new car at the time. And this was during our time of 24-7 prayer. We were, told, we were told during that time that a family friend had a car for sale. We really liked the car, had plenty of room for both kids. However, we knew if we purchased this car, it would really stretch us financially. I prayed about it, but I was feeling uneasy, wondering if this would put us in a bad place financially. Looking back now, I can see how I how I had such little faith in God doing something big. Megan, his wife, however, had a totally different and much more faith-filled prayer than me. This sounds so familiar to my marriage. (laughs) Feeling encouraged by her time in the prayer room to pray big prayers and to expect God to do big things, she prayed over our decision with this car. She also prayed for God to provide a way for us to get the car without without it affecting us financially. The following day, we decided to go ahead and purchase the vehicle. I called the owner and told him we just needed to go to the bank and get the money. We decided we were not going to ask him to come off the asking price. However, he said he still wanted to sell it to us for less. We were so gracious, I couldn't believe he would do that, even without asking him to do it. Little did we know what God was doing in that moment. When we were at the bank, things were taking longer than expected, so I called him to let him know that. And he told me to just go ahead and stop what I was doing because he was painting a wall in his house and he felt that God was telling him to to just give us the car. I didn't know what to say. At first I refused, but he convinced me that he knew that this is what God wanted him to do. And I shouldn't get in the way of that. So today we are still driving this car and and it's it's a constant reminder of the blessings of God and a reminder to pray big prayers and expect God to do big things, knowing he is capable of doing things we can't even imagine. So my friend Jeremy Romine shared this one with me. Some of us gathered to help expand the stage at the church a few months ago. While we were working, I felt a sharp pain in my lower back. I know this pain. 
It's a pain that has been part of my life for the last few years. It, has happened, it happens every two or three months, and I typically have two options. One, fight it out, bear the pain for two or three days, and it will finally leave. Or option two, go to the chiropractor. Two sessions, and I'm usually good to go. I'm stubborn, so option one was the norm. Well, Sunday evening, after Sunday evening that he hurt his back, was the heating pad. Monday, I woke up, and it was unbearable. I literally held my hand, the handrail uh, of my stairs, bracing myself as I walked from upstairs to downstairs. In my mind, I knew there was no option, uh, that the only option was option two, and I needed to go to the doctor. I was telling Brandy about it, and her reply was, let's pray for healing, exclamation mark. Her comment was said with complete confidence. I felt the same confidence swell up in me. As she prayed, I felt an undeniable heat start in my lower back. I mean to the point that I thought something had caught fire. I lifted a bit out of my chair. I felt a peace come on me that is so indescribable. When she was done, so was he. I stood up out of the chair, going from unbearable pain to none. I walked around downstairs doing my morning routine. And after a few minutes of making sure I wasn't dreaming what had happened, I told her what had happened. We said another prayer that morning, praising God for his power to heal. Fast forward five months, and I've had zero back pain. God is good. See, yeah, it's amazing. Shameless audacity, right? I love testimonies because here's what testimonies do. They only raise the level of the faith of the rest of us. Whenever you hear a testimony of God doing something amazing, it raises our level of maybe I can pray for that too. Maybe I can believe in that too. Testimonies are the proof that God does the miraculous through prayer. But I want to say something. I don't want to motivate you to pray because it produces results. I love the results. They're awesome. There's free cars and healed backs. That's what the results are, right? Like, I love it. I love hearing that God provides and that God heals. I want the results. Are you with me? I know that prayer works. I've heard it time and time again. I've seen it time and time again. But I want to be careful because you can almost sound like an infomercial. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to sell you something. Like, you know, if you work out 25 minutes a day with Beachbody, you're going to be amazing. If you pray for 30 minutes a day, you're going to see all sorts of crazy results. That's not what this is about. I don't want you to fall in love with the results more than who you're praying to. So why do we pray? Well, as we've stated already, prayer is powerful. The work of prayer is essential. Breakthrough, breakthrough comes in prayer. Revivals are birthed in prayer. Churches are built on prayer. Healthy families pray. Marriages that pray together stay together. That's a fact. Prayer is the backbone to faith. Prayer is the battlefield to victory. All those things are true. But if I pray to get those things, well, then I've lost myself and I've lost the heart of prayer. Prayer is first and foremost about your relationship with the Father. It's about deeper discovery of his love for you. Because you have to know this, the, the results that we just we get to receive, they're only byproducts of his love for us. One more quote from Pete Gregg. He says, the most, important, the most important discovery you will ever make is the love the Father has for you. That's the most important discovery you will ever make. 
Your power in prayer will flow from the certainty that the one who made you likes you. That he's not scowling at you and that he's on your side. A person who feels like, okay, as a person, I'm a person who feels like I'm a broken record about prayer, okay? And and this, this sort of thinking isn't always easy. It isn't always easy because I'll admit it's easy to want to point to the results. It's easy to want the power without the intimacy. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to want the authority without enjoying the Father's presence. It's easy to go past, if you will, the beauty of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's, it's easy to blow past that so I can get to business. Are you with me? Prayer cannot be an, an, an ends to a mean. Prayer is not a wishing well. <laughs> Prayer is where we build our relationship with our Father where we dig in and we discover how much he loves us. And because he loves us, he'll provide cars and he'll heal backs. Because he loves us, he'll do things that you never thought he could ever do for you. And so many of us don't realize that that's how much he loves us. We doubt the miracle, and if we doubt the miracle, does that mean we are doubting God's love? Because anybody that says to me, I don't know if God does miracles today, so you don't think God loves us that much to do that for us? You don't think God is powerful enough to do that? What what are we doubting here? His power or his love? Are we doubting his power? That God is not all powerful? Oh, no, no, no. We're doubting his love then. That he doesn't actually love us enough to do things that we can't do on our own. To do miraculous things that we see in the scripture. The scriptures affirm, the scriptures affirm that he will do even greater things in our day than Jesus did in his day. Come on. So, prayer is where we dig in and discover how much God loves us, and in turn, where we fall in love with God and where we finally understand he is actually all we need. It happens in prayer. 1 John 4.16, we read this during worship. So we have come to know and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I want my prayers, I want your prayers to be like the ones of Jesus, right? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to go and be with the Father. And he went to go be with the Father. He actually went to abide, to remain in him, to go and be with the Father, to get into his presence. Because in his presence, a lot of really great things happen. In the presence of God, we, of course, get the fullness of joy, which I referenced earlier out of Psalm 1611. We also get that the presence of God, there is is rest. That's said over and over in the scriptures, going all the way back to Exodus. In his presence, we discover that he is our refuge. Psalm 73, 28. I mean, I can go on and on about what the presence of the Lord does in our life. So prayer is not a wishing well. However, when we dig in, we actually can establish a spiritual well, a place where we draw living water from, and where that water is the source of not only eternal life, but the living water that gives life to everyone who drinks. 
becomes the source of the power and the authority of Jesus being played out in our life. So praying with boldness and audacity, just so you know, it's an act of faith, but it's also an act of faith, not just that you believe in his power, which I think is how we usually think. It's a belief in his love. It's faith in his love that we believe God loves us this much, that God loves us that much that he would actually do that for us. When we become focused on results, when we, well, let's think about this. Let's play this out. We become focused on results the moment God doesn't answer a prayer. When God doesn't do the healing, when God doesn't provide what he needs, when God doesn't fill, fill in the blank, whatever it is, that desperate cry that you've had, and when he doesn't answer it, when we're, when we're focused on results, guess what happens? We quit praying and we quit digging and we abandon the, the job and we move on to other type of work. But whenever the results are not the focus, but it's because we've fallen in love with the Father and the Father's presence has already provided all we ever need. Well, then we just start praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? We start praying for God's love to be ushered into the world. We start praying for revival. We start praying for more Jesus. You know how many believers, I say, hey, we need to be praying for revival. Most of them don't even know what that means because you know why? We've never, we've never gotten to that point. We're at the point where we're still thinking so much about the results for ourselves and we're going, I haven't really got what I need from God. I'm going, what if, what if it wasn't about that anymore? What if it was about just getting in his presence, understanding his love and wanting to love him back? And then when... And then prayer becomes something else. It becomes something where we're saying, I want more of Jesus and more spirit in my life. I want more because I, the world needs it. The world needs it. We pray for more miracles. We pray for revival. We pray for God's work to be done. We pray for God's will to be done. We start praying for God's love and power to be released. This is what happens when we dig into prayer. Prayer changes. And it's no longer just about what I got, but it's about what he's doing. So I want to close by giving us a few audacious prayers that we should be praying for. And the first one is just kind of what I, on that point I just said. The first one is for more love. More love that you would abide in his love. And if you're like, how do I do that? I would just say start praying this. Start spending time getting, getting time to build your intimacy with the Father. Spend more time in his presence. And you're like, oh, he already told me to spend more time in his word. <laughs> I know, I know. Spend more time in his word and then start praying. And I know most of you do that, a lot of you do. But lean in and don't just pray. Don't just pray maybe the thing you always pray, but start praying with sort of some new tools, some new shovels. Start getting some new things out of the garage, if you will, and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get deeper here. Spend time expressing your love to him. Spending time doing this is like another way of saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, you're so good. You're so great. And I just want to express my love to you. The second one, pray for more Jesus and more spirit. Audaciously ask for it. And you're like, what do you mean by that? I thought I already had all the Jesus and spirit I need. You do have all you need, but you can have more than you need. <laughs> 
If you know Jesus, if you confess Jesus as Lord, if, you, if he has saved you, the spirit has come within you. But he also says, you know what? The spirit could come upon you in power at times. And what I would, I would encourage you to do is say, Lord, I want, I want more of you in my life where you consume my thoughts more, you consume my, 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 my identity more, that Lord, my, you know, it says that we are hidden in Christ, that our identity is hidden in him, that, that Lord, that would that truly be what I'm, who I am, that the old is going away, the new is, being, is coming in, that I am, be, more of me is like you, Jesus. And I want more of your spirit, more of your power, more of your gifts, more of the things that your spirit gives in this world, more of your comfort, more of your guidance, more of what, all the things that the spirit's supposed to be that we read about. Don't you want this word to actually be the things you experience in life? I want to read the Bible and go, yeah, I experienced that the other day. <laughs> I don't want to read the Bible and go, man, if only, if only that could be true in my life too. More of the Spirit. Ask for more of it, but don't ask for it for your sake. Ask for it for the sake, and in the power of Jesus' name, but for the sake of his son, Jesus. And then the last, or excuse me, number, the third thing. More for them. This is called intercession. Interceding for others is so powerful. I actually believe there's more power in intercessory, intercessory prayer than even prayer that you would pray for yourself. Like when we pray for others, you know what you're declaring? You're declaring, I believe God loves them that much. <laughs> I believe God loves that person that much that I'm gonna pray for them for something to happen in their life that they don't even know how to pray for themselves. I'm gonna pray for them because they, they are so far gone that if I don't pray for them, it's like my prayers, their life depends on my prayers. And you're like, ah, that's a little far. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think the Lord has asked us to pray for others. And I've seen the power of intercessory prayer, and I believe that's something that's going to increase in our church, intercession. So ask for more for them. And then the fourth thing, audaciously pray for, if you will, for more in our church. More for revival, more for salvations, more breakthrough. You know, I'll, just, I'll let you in on a little... It's not a secret, but it's not something we've shared. Our team has been praying for 100 salvations since March. We don't know when or how it's going to happen, and we actually just believe it's the start of a, of a deeper move that God's going to do. I don't know if it's going to be 100 in a day or 100 over a year. It doesn't matter, does it? I think what we're saying is we want to pray for more. We want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see a move of God. And you're going, this is, this is a lot about the church and a lot about bigger things and all that. It's not about, most of the time you come to church, you want something that's going to be like, hey, help me with, you know, my problems I'm going through. This will. <laughs> this will help you with every problem you're going through. <laughs> First Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You know, at the beginning I said, everything begins and ends with prayer. When the disciples asked, one day Jesus cast out a demon, then they're like, hey, you know, we couldn't cast that demon out. How, why could you do it and we couldn't do it? And then Jesus said something to him. Remember what he said? He said, some things, my friends, can openly happen by prayer and fasting. And that, is what we're called to, to dig into. That's the work we're called to do, to pray, to keep digging, because there are gonna be some things in life that can only be done by prayer.
Let's pray together now, shall we? You bow your heads. And I'm going to do this very, very, very quickly. I know we're out of time. But if I'm just going to ask you kind of those, that four, the four prayers that I threw up there on the screen just a moment ago. I'm just going to ask you if that's something you would say, yeah, I want more of that in my life. I want you to raise your hand. And the idea of that is um, as I go through each one, if one especially resonates with you to raise your hand, there's a chance that all four will especially resonate with you. So that's okay to raise your hand more than once. Who in here needs more love? You need more of his presence. Lift your hand. Who in here needs more of Jesus and more of his spirit? Raise your hand. Who in here would acknowledge you need to, you want to, you need to intercede more for them? You need to pray more for them. Yeah, raise your hand. And who in here would agree that we should be praying for more in our church? Father, I just pray that as we, as we acknowledge those things, even with a simple agreement, that Lord, in that agreement, it would build an unbreakable unity. That unity would exist in this church and it would be rooted in prayer. That there would be a prayer happening in this body that that is one that, that, Lord, the enemy can't stand against because it's so united around you, Father. That, Lord, we would break through barriers, we would break through chains, we would break through all these things that the, that the world and that the enemy has tried to put in our path to stop us from the work you want to do in our life. I just pray right now that, Lord, you would accelerate the work that you want to do and that things that only you can do would start happening at an accelerated, increased rate in our church, in our lives, in the families here, and of course, in our city. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your love for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.